Thank you for listening today to our podcast here at Word of Life. We're delighted that you tuned in. And I pray that while you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I know God's got a big plan for you. We're excited to be a part of that plan. Hopefully we will see you sometime soon, maybe even this weekend. Until then, we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. Father God, we thank you for this day and we thank you for this opportunity that you have given us to come into your church and to learn about your word, Father. I pray that the Holy Spirit imparts a revelation into our life, that the Holy Spirit imparts a word that we can apply to our day to day. And I thank you for this in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So following the conversation of yesterday, the third thing Pastor Joel asked me is like, could you preach what you preached at your dad's church last weekend? So I got the opportunity to go like on a very quick, short trip to Columbia and got to see my brother get married. And then I got to preach at my dad's church. And so he, he asked me if I could. And he actually he told me, but make it in English, right? Not in Spanish. So it, it'll be all right. So, I, so I, I'm going to talk about something that actually God has put on, placed on my heart for a while now. And it, it all starts with a story that I was just reminded of a, a couple of weeks ago. Have you ever had just one of those long showers where you've solved the, all the issues of the world, where revelation has been imparted to you, where it's just, you're like, you come out of the shower and you're like, oh my gosh, I can see the matrix now. Well, I... I I remember that morning, I remember a story when I was a kid, I was like 10, 11 years old at my dad's church, something had happened and the split had happened. So I don't know if you know, this happens in the real world sometimes, but people split from churches, from relationships, just in general, these things happen. And when they do, it's not always nice. It's not always, you know, just full of joy. I remember that season, I would see my mom cry at night because of things that were being said. I would see my dad like just very stressed out and filled with anxiety to the point where I remember one Sunday morning, I go to my dad's office and I'm like, I'm like 11, maybe 12. uh, And I go to my dad. I'm like, dad, so I know you have a testimony to keep. And I know you, you have a ministry that you've started, but I don't. Uh, so if you would like for me to go and destroy someone, just, just let me know. Actually, don't even say anything. Just blink. Blink, and I will know that that is the sign. You, you blink? Yes, like, I will kill someone. I, I have no problem starting a prison ministry, right? Like, as I, I mean, we all know it. God wants to reach everybody, so might as well, you know, be sent into the uttermost. <laughs> To which my dad responds, I mean, it's like it's his, it's his 11, 12-year-old and just like stares at me as like, what, what are you saying? Like, now, he, he, he didn't know what to respond. And then he says something that to this day just echoes in, the, in my memory and echoes in my head. And he says, John David, sometimes it's better to walk in love than to be right. Sometimes it's better just to be walking in love because a step out of love is a step out of God because God is love. And if I want to be walking in the God's purpose, I will be walking in love because God is love. And I will not get out of his purpose. I will not get out of his will. I will not get out of his presence just to prove a point. It is better to walk in love than to be right. So I Obviously, I've, I mentioned how old I was, so that made no sense to me at the time. I was like, well, that sounds dumb. I mean, how? And, and the reason why I say this is because 
the people that have that started the whole problem, their kids went to my school. So I knew that there was going to come a time where we were all going to be forced uh, to be together in the same place. So I was like, it's, that's not going to, I mean, I, I understand, but that's not going to work when we all go to the parent-teacher conference and like someone starts swinging, right? Me. And so, so the day comes, the day comes and, and my, so I'm like excited for that day because I'm like, here it is. I mean, the people that made my mom cry are going to be right in front of me and no one makes my mom cry, right? And so I'm about to lay hands because the Bible says you lay hands on the sick and they're being sick because of it. And I mean, I'm about to shata, right? Like just go all out. <laughs> so I get on the car and my dad's like, oh, John David, I, I left the bag filled with cables. Can, can you grab it real quick? So I go grab the cables and my first thought's like, my dad's bringing weapons. Like it was just, <laughs> we're ready. So we get in the car and you know, the whole parent-teacher conference thing happens and then the unavoidable starts to happen. I see the family walking towards us. There's no way to escape. We're walking towards them. I have the cables. I'm ready. So we get there and I'm super tense. And it's, it's not a nice conference. It's just very awkward. And they're like, hello, how are you? Fine. Blah, blah, blah. Then my dad's like, oh, John David, did he bring the cables? And I'm like, oh, you wanted swing first? Go ahead. Like, I'll follow. He grabs the cables, gives them to them and said, I heard you're starting a church and I would love for you to start a church with new cables. Uh, to, to like at that moment, I was like, I can't believe you just did that. Like of all the things you could have said, done. I mean, my mom, like everything. Do you not care? Do you not? And we turn around and he repeats it again. He's like, John David, it's better to walk in love than to be right. Uh, fast forward 15 years later, I'm getting married and guess who we invited to our marriage? That couple. Uh, last weekend, my brother gets married, and guess who, we, who he invited to his wedding? That same couple. There is something about walking in love that differentiates us as Christians. And it's the God of love, the, the love of God that has been shed abroad on our hearts. So today I want to speak about this. And today I just want to highlight two specific points and it's that walking in love is the right thing to do and walking in love is the best thing to do if you don't know what else to do decide to walk in love because it is better to walk in love than to be right so with this there's a story uh, that actually if you were at revival night pastor joel uh, gave an excellent message on this story found in exodus chapter 15 so I will not try to uh, make that message better. There's just one thing uh, that God put on my heart as I was reading it. Exodus chapter 15, verses 20 to 27 says, Then Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took the timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dances. And Miriam answered them, saying, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and then they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness. Whoa, what happened? And then they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And so they called this place, they came to Marah, and they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. So I, I, I'm, I'm reading through this, and as I'm meditating, I'm like, well, one, a desert is known for being dry, right? It's, it's why it's called the desert. So I think there could be nothing more irritating than finding water in the desert 
and not being able to drink the water from the desert. Because again, it's a miracle. You just found water in the desert like that. That in itself is a miracle, right? But it can't be, it has to be extremely frustrating for you to be in the desert again, dry, no water. Yes. Three days, everything there. I mean, they just came out of slavery. They're super happy. But again, they're in the desert where there is no water. It's why it's called a desert. And then they finally find water. They're like, yes. And then the water is bitter and they can't drink it. And, and I can't help myself, but, but to think about sometimes you, you, you have an answer to prayer in your life. But for some reason, the blessing of God seems to be something you can't enjoy. And I think it's because of bitterness. And, and it's like you, you, go into, you go into this new job. You finally get the job you were praying for. But then so no one told you that the new boss was going to be just as bad as the last boss. And so you're like, oh, you know, you, you finally marry the man of your dreams. But... But then you finally realize that he doesn't wash his clothes or do the laundry. I don't know, like just random things that just make the miracle a little bitter or stuff is said or whatever it is. And I like this story because God, after that, takes him to like this giant oasis with water and trees. And it's just it's an even bigger miracle. But he treats the bitterness first. He just doesn't move along. He treats it first. And this month. We're, we're starting a series called The Invitation. And the whole premise behind it is to invite anyone and everyone to meet Jesus. But I think that before we even go out, that we, we have to kind of like dive in and just treat something and treat it the biblical way. I'm not going to start talking about, all right, go and regress 10 years and think about what they said. Actually, Jesus talks about this in, in John chapter 17. I mean, Luke chapter 17. In Luke 17, verse 3, he says, Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day, and seven times in the day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive. Let's read that again. And if he sins against you seven times in the day, and seven times in the day returns unto you saying, I repent, you shall now, I, something that I love about being in the States is that you guys have like phrases and quotes for everything, right? And especially in the South, there's like, there's, there's, there's phrases and quotes and sayings for absolutely everything. One of the ones I have learned being here, there's some that are like, ooh, terrible, and I will not remember, but I do. But there's some others like, you know, fool me once, shame on you, right? Fool me twice, shame on me. My question is, because we were reading this, what does the Bible say about shame me seven times? Because this is what the Bible is saying. If someone like messes up seven times doing the same thing and he comes to you, asks for forgiveness and repents, you should forgive him. So like I'm reading this, I'm like, shame me, you know, once, shame on me, you know, fool me twice. Shame on me, but that doesn't make sense when it's fool me seven times. And so I, I absolutely love what the disciples say in the next verse. Verse uh, five says, and the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. In other words, they're like, if you want me to forgive seven times, I am going to need more faith. 
I mean, I'm going to need you to start that Daniel fast, but make it like a 60 day fast because you have no idea who I live with. Right. Like I'm going to need, you know, you to like anoint me with oil on a daily basis. I'm going to need to like carry that oil to anoint myself because you have no idea how my coworkers are. Like I am going to need a special prayer that you send to me every day to increase my faith, because if you want me to forgive that way. Increase my faith. And I know that this is our desire. And I think it's a good desire to desire more faith. But then Jesus responds and he says, actually, you don't need more faith. He says, if you have the faith as a mustard seed, just tiny faith. If you have any faith, if you believe in Jesus, you have enough faith to forgive. It says, and if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. And so what's funny about this tree, I started uh, reading about the mulberry tree. Or it's also called the sycamine tree. And it's a tree known, it's very famous in Israel because it's a tree that grows in the desert. There's a lot of characteristics about this tree that can be related or correlated to bitterness and unforgiveness. One, I think one of the main things is this is a tree that only grows in dry areas. And I believe bitterness and unforgiveness can start to grow in our life when we are dry spiritually. Like you, you are much more offendable if you haven't been in his presence lately. That's just one of the, and you know how I learned this? Because my dad would always highlight it in my life. When I, when you know, have you ever had those carnal days where you just like this, like you wake up and you're like, these are the words I'm going to use. And this is how I'm going to be offended today. It's just one of those days. My dad would always catch me and say, John David, you haven't prayed today. To which I would respond super mad because he was right. Uh, I know I hadn't prayed and dry areas in a dry environment, you know, are the perfect environment for unforgiveness and for bitterness to start springing up in your life. One of the things about this mulberry tree is that it has a huge root system. It goes in deep. It grows fast, but it goes deep quickly. And I think one of the biggest excuses that I've had personally about bitterness and unforgiveness is you don't know how deep they've cut me. You don't know how deep the wound is. And I think it's specifically why Jesus uses this tree to give the imagery of how to get rid of bitterness in your life. And it's no matter how deep the root is, no matter how big the offense was, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can still cast it out. See, Jesus said there's two things you can cast out with faith. You can cast out the mountain, the problem, you know what's coming at you. But then you can also cast out the mulberry tree, which is that which causes offense and has grown in your life. Interesting fact about the, the mulberry tree is that it's got this fig, but it's not like the good type of fig. You know, the one fig Newtons and all that, like they don't make that out of the sycamine. It's actually like the cheap version of the fig tree. And it's nasty. It's actually bitter. And so one, if you have money, you don't buy that one. You buy the actual good fig. So only uh, poor people would buy this type of fig. And I can't help but just make the, the link between scarcity, poverty and bitterness, because I have never seen someone be bitter in life and be promoted in life. I've never heard of a boss say, you know, I want to promote someone. Where is that person that always has something bad to say? Where is that? I want to promote you. I mean, you are the head and not the tail. Like, 
No, you never hear that. But secondly, the way people would eat this fruit is it's so bitter that they would bite a little piece of it and they would chew on it all day. And then once they could finally swallow it, they would bite another piece and chew on it all day. And when we are being bitter, if there's one thing that we love to do is chew on the offense all day, right? I mean, and sometimes I do the exercise. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I forgot what they said. Let's, re let's rewind. What is it that they said? Oh, yeah. And then you chew on it. Not only do you chew on it, but you like to share it with other people. And you're like, here, taste this, right? Aren't they the worst? We're laughing very uncomfortably right now. And I don't. I don't mean for this to be uncomfortable, but if, if there's a lesson in this, it's better to walk in love than to be right. Throw it away. You know, the, it, there's another thing that is found with this tree. This is the tree whose bark was used for coffins because there is nothing that will produce death in your life faster than bitterness and unforgiveness. And I'm not saying just natural death, but death to joy, death to peace. I've never seen someone be bitter and then be joyful at the same time. It just doesn't happen. So if you want to get rid of that which is causing death of purpose, death of joy, death of peace in your life, cast it out. Just decide today, I, I do not want this bitterness in my life. I decide today it has to go. And I don't need big faith. I don't need huge faith. I don't need my faith to be increased if I have faith the size of a mustard seed. Cast that out, right? <laughs> and last fun fact about the sycamine tree. It's, it's one of the only trees that is pollinated, uh, not naturally, but pollinated by wasps. And if you know me, I am scared of wasps like I mean I'll rebuke him but I'll rebuke him as I run away right like I will I don't know there's these crazy people that you might know them or you might be one of those where you see a wasp and it's like oh you know just don't look at it and it won't sting you and I know that is a lie you know that's a lie from the devil like it's like no because wasps wake up every day and like they have one purpose to sting I mean at least when a bee stings you it's like giving its life Right. So it's like it's like an honorable death. Right. They're like they just got one shot. And so they they choose you. So it's like, oh, thank you. You know, you just died. But a wasp. A wasp is the scariest thing ever. And you know how they say that things in America are bigger. Wasps are bigger here. I've been to the Amazon jungle and I've been to Ethiopia, Africa. And those red wasps that we have here are scary. Like. And you see them all the time. There's a door back here where they're always there. So if you ever see a crazy Colombian walking out like this, it's me casting them out. But one of the things about wasps and one of the things that I take pride in is I've never been stung by a wasp. Ever. Don't try and change that. Because I know some of you is like, really? No, stop. But the reason why I have never been stung by a wasp is because you will never see a wasp and John David in the same place <laughs> ever. We were at a fancy restaurant once with my parents and a wasp came in and I'm like, there's a wasp. And my dad's, my dad's one of those crazies where it's like, it's okay. You know, just don't make eye contact and they won't know you're here. It's like, what is that? Like, that doesn't even make sense. It's a wasp. 
And so then it gets, starts getting closer, and then my dad starts laughing because it's like, you know they can smell fear. I'm like, oh my gosh, they're demonic is what they are. So, so I stand up, and I'm like, someone take care of that wasp. And my dad's like, shh, this is a fancy place. And I'm like, it's not that fancy, it's got a wasp. Like, I'm going on Yelp right now, right? Two-starring this place. And then I do what some would say unthinkable, but in my family, it's, it's very probable. I run out. Hey, I, just, I just leave the restaurant. I'm like, someone's got to kill it because I'm not going to be here. So obviously, uh, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So I understand that. I have to work on that. But going back to the spiritual side of this message... Don't ever find yourself in the same place with the wasp. I feel that sometimes we go on social media and we scroll until, until we're stung. And we don't stop scrolling until we find that post that finally irritates us to the point where we're like, ah, I can't believe I follow them. But you still do, though. Right? And what are we looking for? We're looking to get stung. We're looking to get pollinated by offense, if you will instead of running away from it. And why am I talking about this? Because I understand, not only do I understand, I know and I acknowledge that we serve a God that is a provider. We serve a God that is a healer. We serve a God that will do abundantly above all we could ask or think. So just like he took Israel out of Egypt, had them find water, and then after that, if you keep reading what we read in Exodus, takes them actually to an oasis. But before he takes them to the oasis, he treats the bitterness in the water first. Because what makes the water bitter there could make the water bitter in the oasis. And so he wants to cast it out first out of your life so that you can walk into all the promises that he has. So you can walk into all the supernatural that he has and not cause it to be bitter. I was in Leticia, which is the capital of the Amazon jungle. In Colombia. So it's a border where, if you know your geography, it's right beside Brazil and right in front of Peru. So we crossed the Amazon jungle. We're doing this mission trip. And we go into this, this place. So, so the Amazon jungle could be almost one mile wide. The Amazon jungle, the Amazon river can be a mile wide. So it's, it's a huge river. So there's this island on the coast of Peru. It's called Monkey Island. So it's, it's very entertaining because there's all these like cappuccino monkeys and macaque monkeys and all these different types of monkeys. And so you go in there and they'll like come and like climb on you and they stink and like poop everywhere. But it's fun because it's missions, right? So it's like, so you're there and it's cool. And the, our guide is like, hey, you, you want me to show you something cool? It's like, because uh, I wanted to catch one and, and they would like bite you and stuff. So I was like, I want to catch one. You know, I just want to grab one. And so it's like, oh, we'll show you something. So they bring out this little cage and they put like a bunch of fruit inside of the cage and they put it right in the middle. And all of a sudden it's sworn by monkeys. And so you know, they're trying to grab and stuff like that. And they're like, just wait. So at the end, everyone like grabbed their fruit and there was like a couple still there because there was some fruit that was just too big to pull out from the cage. And one of these, I just saw him, is super funny. He comes in, he's got cool looking hair. He grabs the banana and he's not letting go. And so he, he's stuck because the banana won't fit through the bars. So he's grabbing it. And so then he starts getting agitated because our guide is coming to him and he's going to grab him. So he starts like, ah, ah, you know, like just getting real. Like, ah, and in my mind is like, monkey, if you don't want to get caught, just let go. 
But the monkey wanted that banana and would not let go of the banana. Grabs him, finally, all of that happened. And I'm like, I'm being ministered by this monkey. I'm like, this moment is so spiritual, the monkey don't know. Because I'm looking at, at it, and I'm like, that's how we are sometimes. We won't let go, and then we get mad because the devil who roams around like a roaring lion looking who he may devour, and we're stuck there instead of running away or just leaving the moment because we just won't let go. I mean, I'm not here to tell you you're smarter than a monkey, but like I told the monkey, let go. Right, look at your neighbor and be like, let go. That's, all, that's what Jesus said eight, if seven times, let go. He actually goes on to say later on, is that actually 70 times, seven times. So 490 times in the day, let go. Let go of the fruit. Let go of the fruit of bitterness. Just let it go today. And wh wh why am I talking about this when we're supposed to be inviting people in? Because Jesus said that there is one way people will know that we are his disciples. It is by the way we love each other. There, he actually gives us a commandment. It says John 13, verse 34, says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, and you also love one another. Now, I find it very important that he states this as a commandment because in the context of when it was written, uh, Jewish people were very adamant about following commandments, not because they're rule followers, but because they understood that there's always a blessing behind the commandment. And they remembered what we read when Israel was taken out. Remember when God dealt with the bitterness? If you go back there again, verse 26 in Exodus 15, and I know I'm like taking you Old New Testament, Old New Testament, but Exodus 15, 26 says, and if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, Give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. I will put none of the diseases on you, which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. So Jesus now in the New Testament says, actually, remember all those commandments you're supposed to keep in order to get healing and stuff? I'm just going to give you one. You love one another as I have loved you. And I have noticed that as we walk in love, there is no better testimony no better way to evangelize, no better way to reach than to love. It's why we have the baskets for business that you may love on your neighbors the easiest way. And actually, before I forget, if you bring someone in, we're going to give you a free t-shirt as well. Like it's going to be a very fun month. I remember in Colombia, I would have to commute one hour to the university every day, one hour going, one hour back in a bus. So they say Colombians are filled with faith because we can see a bus that has 80 seats and we say 300 people can fit in there. <laughs> Easy. And so we do. And, and so it's one of those things where there's a platform and the bus comes in. And so when I'm going out of the university, you go onto this platform and two buses will stop at the same place. Not at the same time, but at the same place. One will take you east, one will take you north. I always wanted to go north because that's where I lived. But sometimes there's like, a thousand people behind you and so sometimes they choose for you like the doors will open and they'll just push you in so it's very irritating and I'm at this stage in life I'm like 20 I want to grow in God and I notice 
that I am very good at being bitter. I don't know why, but I have this memory. It's fantastic, but not for everything, right? Like I would forget my homework, but I remember what it was said 10 years ago against me. Is there anyone else like that? Yeah, like, well, what my dad would ask me, like, so what did you like about today's message? I'd be like, totally blank. But I can tell you what was said about me five years ago. So all these things come back to me. I'm like, no, God, I want to I change. I, I want to walk in love more. I want to be like what my dad said, you know, walking in love and stuff like that. That's a dangerous prayer if you ever ask God to help you walk in love. Careful, because God will answer. And, and he did. So I'm, I, I'm there at the bus station and then. The first bus comes, the one that goes east, and I'm very close to the door, so I don't want to get pushed by anyone. So they open, and I grab on to, like, this post, and I'm like, ah, no, I don't want to go. And so everyone's pushing, pushing, everything's happening. I'm just grabbing on. Great. I'm at the door now where this bus is going to come to take me north. And so I put my hoodie on. I'm I'm very glad to be alive. I'm just standing there. Then the bus comes. I know it's going to happen. People are going to push me, but I'm happy because I'm going to get to get a seat because I'm at the front. And so the doors open and then someone from the back just pushes me. I'm like, <laughs> and I go like this. And when I go like this with my elbow, I feel I hit someone's head. Just, but I mean, there's thousands of us. on. So I'm like turning around. I'm like, who did I hit? Who did I hit? I'm trying to sit down, but then I see a guy, he's going like this. So I'm like, that's probably the guy I hit. So I'm like, I'm like going back to him. I'm going to say, I'm sorry. So I get to him. He sees me and punches me. So when he punches me, like all of what I was praying for completely forgot. I'm like, all right. And so I'm ready. I'm going to kick him. My friends that were with me grabbed me like, no, no, no. I'm like trying to kick him. I'm like, what, what, what? And my, my friends were like, calm down, calm down. It's okay. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. So I'm like super irritated. I don't know if you've ever been punched in the face, but your heart decides to live there for a while, right? So it's like, dun, 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 dun. it's right there. And not only is it going, dun, 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 but I hear it saying stupid, 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 stupid. Like just, ooh. So I'm mad. And so I have to pray in tongues because my words in Spanish weren't any good. So like, I'm just praying in tongues, praying in tongues. And I finally kind of like just settle down. I'm like, God, your word says that you are coming for your church in the rapture. Make it happen now, please. (laughs) And when you come for our church, when you come for your church, make me ascend slowly so I can be like, ha, ha. But we're still here. So it hasn't happened. So chill. Uh, Second prayer, this is completely honest. I'm hanging in there and I tell God, God, Elijah sent down fire from heaven. If you did it before, you can do it again. So in the name of Jesus, <laughs> nothing happened. So anyway, so it's an hour commute. So there's, there's like 30 minutes gone by. People have left everything. There's more space. I'm already a little bit calm. And then this guy, the guy that punched me comes to me past my shoulder so I look at him I'm like oh no and I literally like I'm, I'm so intense at the moment I'm like the Bible says I give you the other cheek and then we fight like I have no more cheeks to give and so he like all of a sudden is like no I just want to say I'm sorry I'm sorry and I'm like it's okay just leave like I don't want to talk to you I don't want to see you it's fine just just leave and he's like, then he breaks down and starts to cry to which just irritates me more because I was like, what, was my cheek too hard for you? Like, <laughs> sorry, I, I, no. So he starts crying and then 
after a while, I just start hearing what he says. And this guy has gone through just an intense day. It's got like an intense life and things about custody, things about his job, things about just everything, his ex-wife, like all of, all of a sudden. And I've got, I'm like, I'm a little dry, right? Like I've just been punched. So in the most dry way possible, I just turn around and I'm like, listen, man, I mean, I'm sorry that that's happening to you. I have no idea how I can help, but I'm sure God can. And so he's like, yeah. Um, and so then I know, I noticed the moment. Like, I'm, I'm not dumb, so I know the Holy Spirit's working at that moment. And so I'm like, you want to receive Christ? Yes. And so after an hour in the bus, like, started with the punch, ended with the salvation. <laughs> and I'm not saying I was perfect whatsoever, but I think towards the end, I did decide to walk in love than to be right. And when we did, I, I was reminded of Hosea, uh, where, uh, chapter 11, if I'm mistaken, verse 4, it says that God, the, the way he brings in people is through like literal ropes or gentle cords or bands of love. And if we're going to bring people into church to meet the God who is love, I believe the best way to do this is the way God does it, through acts of love. And before we even go out into the world to express love, I think we have to go back and treat the waters first so that anyone else that comes to drink from him can also drink from waters that are not bitter, but waters that are blessed by God. Are we here? As I, as I was meditating this morning, it, I had a verse come up in my heart. It's Acts chapter 7, verse 60. It's the story of Stephen. I'm going to finish with this. But Stephen is one awesome man. There's a lot of things that I want to do when I get to heaven. I don't know if you have a list, right? Like first, first thing on the list, I'm going to go punch Adam, right? It just So you can take that off your list. I'll be there. Uh, but then, like, number two after meeting, obviously, Jesus, everything, and meeting David. I want to meet Paul. I want to meet Stephen. He's the first martyr. And he did something that had only been done once before. And the one who did it was Jesus. And it's that at the moment of his death, having all the right to be like, God, I mean, they're killing me for obeying you. Had all the right to be right, decided to be in love. To, to stay in love, to walk in love. So as they're throwing rocks at him, he kneels down and cries out with a loud voice and says, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. In other words, is that, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And then when he had said this, he fell asleep. It's a very poetic way of saying they killed him. And <laughs> I as I'm reading this, I, I remember that the person that saw this, and if you know the story, there's one guy that was just standing there grabbing everyone's coats as they're throwing rocks at this guy. His name is Saul of Tarsus, who later becomes the Apostle Paul, who is known for writing two-thirds of the New Testament, who before killed Christians and ends up dying for Christ. And what sparked interest and what brought him in was the act of love from Stephen. I am a firm believer that if, well, the moment we decide as a church to start just walking, and I'm not saying we're not, I'm just saying that as a body, 
when we continue to walk in love, decide to walk in love, you know, be, be, be in Christ, who is love. The same thing that happened to Stephen, is the same thing that can happen to us. Where as we're walking in love, as we're forgiving, as we're in the sixth time in the day forgiving, you know, not being bitter, you know, drinking from the wells of righteousness. I believe people will come to Christ because of it, because of your testimony. Same thing happened to Jesus. He's on the cross. You know, he, he can call down angels from heaven. It says he could call down 12 legions which is 72,000 angels. He told Peter when Peter was going to defend him, he's like, don't, don't, don't defend me. I'm giving my life. It's okay. And he's there and everyone's taunting him. And it's like, hey, you know, if you could bring down the angels, why not now? Like, oh yeah, you're such a king, but look at you. And I, I mean, I imagine angels in heaven being so mad at this moment. They're like, just say the word. And we'll, like there's 72,000 of us. Like Michael is ready. Right? Like Gabriel is like, we're all ready. We got the weird angels too. They're ready. It's like, just say the word. And Jesus hasn't said a word to this point. And then the moment he decides to open his mouth, I believe, oh my gosh, there's so much to learn that if you're going to open your mouth, it better be love. He opens his mouth and he says, Father, and the angels are preparing. All right, here we go. Go, 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 go. Forgive him. Ah. For they know not what they do. And the act, not only the crucifixion, but the act of love tore the veil so that now we have access. And it is love that compels people. It is love. It is his love and his sacrifice that compels us to follow him, to live for him. So I pray for us today that we may follow this commandment to love one another. Cast out bitterness. Cast it out today. You don't need to be a guru of faith or whatever. If you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, decide to do it today. Father God, we just thank you for this day and we just thank you once again for this opportunity, Father, to come in and to just learn from your word. I, I thank you, Father, for everything that you have prepared for us. And I just thank you, Father, that you have given us the ability to forgive. And just, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit guides us throughout the week, throughout the day to day, and reminds us about this all the time because we know we need it. And we thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.